Welcome to the Blind Justice Podcast, where you discover the insider secrets of injury and accident cases, and all of your law questions get answered. Now, here's your host, Chicago injury lawyer, Scott DeSalvo. Hey guys, welcome back for another exciting podcast. I'm your amazing yet sensitive, oddly intellectual yet emotional host, Scott DeSalvo. Is this a match.com? Can we talk about bio? Our feelings? I like walking on the beach. <laughs> And pina coladas. Oh, As always, <laughs> we have uh, Amelia Finnefrock. Hello, hello. And we also have my amazing associate attorney, Stasia Peterson. Hello. So um, it's embarrassing to have Stasia in studio after three podcasts ago. I spent half the show talking about how amazing she is. It's <laughs> I feel really emasculated right now. It's embarrassing. But uh, so the topic on today's show is basically um, what really happens at a jury trial versus what people who don't have experience at jury trials think happens at a jury trial. So I thought it would be cool to do a podcast where we talk about how you know, like we all watch court shows. God knows I did like court shows or even daytime TV shows like Judge Judy and all that. And you kind of get this idea of what happens at court. Like for a long time before law school, I thought that at the beginning of the episode in the morning, the client comes in and tells you their problem. And then in the afternoon, you go to trial. Right. That's like, that's what happens. Yeah. That's right? like L.A. law, right? That or doesn't like happen? Boston legal. Doesn't happen. Okay. You guys giving me some weird looks. So that I, doesn't happen. You okay. know, like CSI too. I was hoping I would be able to draw shit around bodies. and <gasps> Like a full dossier on everybody. Yes, like two minutes into the, the show, you're like, wow, where yeah. did they get that? Morning interview <laughs> client. Early afternoon, visit run down tenement to find hidden witness while eating subway sandwiches 315 do a 10 minute trial and win the case yeah and rinse and repeat every day right that's not how our job would be a lot easier or horrible if you think about it (laughs) (laughs) one case a day yeah well wait so how long does it normally take for a case oh it so it's funny because um it depends on the case so like the the big division in law is between criminal law and civil law, right? So Mm -hmm. criminal law is the state or the city or the federal government against you for breaking a law and they want to take your money or put you in jail, right? Me? To punish you. What did you do? You seemed seemed very nervous right now. I forgot. Maybe we should go off air. (laughs) Good thing she's in a room with two lawyers. Yeah, right. Except except I'm eliciting her admission. (laughs) Like it's not... And we're recording it. It's, is this legal? It's a bad situation. Anyway, and then on the civil end of it, it's a dispute between people or a dispute between a business and a person or people. So okay. in civil – and so that's what we do. And then even in civil, there's a division. So there's like workers' comp cases, like, like work injury cases. And then he said, she said. Right. So a else. workers' comp case is like a work injury. So if you get hurt on the job – We'll do a podcast about that in in the future. So in workers' comp, you file a petition, and then there's really no discovery. Like, we don't know what they know. They don't really know what we know. And then at some point, it gets scheduled for a hearing, which is like an abbreviated trial. Okay. But mostly what we do is what's called third-party injury cases. So car accident, fall down, nursing home abuse, medical malpractice. And in those cases, you work on the case, you try to settle the case. If it can't be settled, you file a lawsuit. 
and then you enter the longest period of time in the case, which is the discovery phase. So that starts with us sending our opponents written questions, right, Stace? Mm -hmm. And then they have to answer our questions. We have to answer their questions. Then the next stage is depositions. How do you guys get paid so well? Because this sounds like a really long, annoying process. You should see some of our case settlements. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, overall, we're in business and doing fine. But because we are – one of the reasons why I love working with Stasia is because uh, from the – nice person standpoint and the the what do you call it sympathy and empathy desire to help people she's right there with me like i think we both really enjoy that's awesome i agree helping people and a lot of these people they're basically in real trouble unless somebody steps in and helps them exactly so we do handle some tough ones cheerleaders they need people that's gonna that are gonna take their side yeah cheer them on yeah stace you're the cheerleader i'm not gonna get it (laughs) Unless, you know what, perfect Halloween costume, we could be like the SNL cheerleaders. Oh, oh that yes. would be awesome. Are they yeah. from Boston? No, that's a, that's that's Jimmy Fallon sketch. Never mind. Yeah, the Boston sketch. That would be so cute. It's so amazing. Do it. Um, what were we talking about? Oh, yeah, jury trials. <laughs> Dude, we are like a train that derails so easily. So, well, she asked how long cases take. Yeah, you that's think like, you're bad. Going yeah, so a case can be in discovery right. for like years where we're doing depositions. How do you bill for that? And we don't bill. We only get really? paid if we for win. Until what? We win. And if really? we lose, we don't get paid. <gasps> so That's we kind just, of risky business. Yeah, we just had an arbitration for a 2012 accident yeah. on Friday. That's a long what? time. Hold yeah. on. That's how we count it. She knows Chisenbob. <laughs> <laughs> That's so many years ago. Um, Five years ago. Yeah. 100%. It took me that long to do the math. <laughs> I was 100%. like, oh. <laughs> uh, That's not the optimal solution for it to take that long. But no. They can, they can right. take that long. Yeah. Right. I okay. mean, our preference, Every case is different. our preference would be get the case together. In a day. Right. And yes. And then in the afternoon. Wait, we already talked about that. <laughs> no, my, our preference would be get the case together and go to trial right away. But, you know, the insurance companies like to hang on to their money because sure. we talked a little bit last time about how insurance companies make money. They get paid premiums. They don't pay claims or they defer paying claims. And that money sits in their investments, making yep. them money, right? So, so never pay insurance is pretty much the which is awesome. That that would saying. actually be the worst name from a marketing standpoint right. for an insurance company. <laughs> never pay insurance. <laughs> oh man, high rates, never pay. Right, never pay insurance. Right, there's no? an SNL yes. sketch no. in there somewhere. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe I don't, I don't know. know. Um, so here's the deal. Um, Stace, you've been with me for like a year now or a year and a half. Year and a half, yeah. Yeah. It seems like just like yesterday. It's such a pleasure. I'm counting the days. I could, no, I'm oh my. Real talk, though. How are you holding up, girl? If I had a, should I step out of the room? If I had a nickel every time a woman said that to me. Let's keep a running tally of uh, how of many nickels. nickels you have. Yeah. It's a lot of sayings and a lot of nickels. <laughs> this podcast does wonders for my self esteem. <laughs> I think we should change the name of your podcast. Yeah. If I had a nickel. Yeah. If I had a nickel or let's make Scott cry. Like, that's... You're like, this was a lot easier when it was just me. Yeah. And my four voices. Right, the voices in my head. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so um, we had kind of a tough case. It was a dog bite case. and um, Oh, those are 
those can be dangerous. Dogs or dog bite cases? Both. Yes. Dog bites. Touche. <laughs> so, so we had one that was going for trial, and I wanted Stasia to have the experience of trying a case, but I don't like throwing people to the wolves, so we tried it together. So um, Stasia basically did all of the paperwork, the, the pretrial paperwork, and took a few witnesses, and then I did the other stuff. So we tried the case together, and I thought it was a really good experience. She did a great job uh, getting the case together. And I think she learned a ton, like so many things in life. You don't really know what it's about until you actually do it. Just do it. Like you're going to read about it. You can, you know, hear stories about it, but until you're there, you don't really know it. That's kind of terrifying to get away from all these people. And yeah. And you're a performer. So you know that singing or acting or whatever you do in front of a mirror or your friends and family is quite different than probably being in front of. Well, yeah, I feel like there's more pressure on your side, though, because this is someone's life. This isn't this isn't make believe. This is like, yeah, this is their one chance. Right. Their one shot. You mess up. Got to have one (laughs) shot. (laughs) That's what I was thinking of. (laughs) Like, that's a lot of that's a lot to deal with. To keep a yeah, good, like yeah. a straight face and be able to carry yourself like that's yeah. Anybody else have that Eminem song? Playing I do. In the back I of their do. Head now? Yeah. I was like, I'm gonna oh listen God, to that before our next trial. <laughs> yeah, right. Awesome. Um, so basically, what I did is because I want to talk about it and I wanted Stasia's perspective. Um, I asked Stasia to write down like five things that she learned about a jury trial that sort of were different than her expectations going in. And so that's what we're going to do. So without further ado, Stace, what's your what's the first thing you wrote down? Um, I think it would be uh, how much happens kind of behind the scenes. Um, it, not everything is decided in front of the jury. A lot of stuff happens even before you do opening arguments. Um, and that's between the judge, the other attorney, and ourselves, obviously. Um, you kind of have a feeling before what the issues at stake are, and some of those are talked about beforehand. Um, certain bits of evidence are decided on beforehand, like what pictures are going to get in or not. Um, and I think that was something that kind of surprised me a little bit. I think a lot I thought a lot of this stuff was going to be yeah, done as the that. trial was going. Right. Um and then you'd hear the other side object and you'd have this whole verbal exchange and that's how it was decided and actually it's really done beforehand for so how, a lot of issues. How do you keep your composure when there's chaos in the room? If someone's I object and it's I mean, I'm only going off of what I've seen in movies, but there's a lot of you know, I'm sure there's some of that carries in the in the room, right? Yeah, and I think what you have to remember is that, or what I try to remember is that I'm here on behalf of somebody else, the client, the client who's sitting there, the person that was injured. So you try not to take those things personally. Right. You try to, um, you know, listen to why they're objecting and respond the best way you can. Ultimately, it's the judge's decision. So, you know, for whatever reason, they're objecting to whatever you're doing, whatever your response is, the judge decides. So kind of out of your hands yes. at some point. Yeah. You can plead the case. But. Yeah. But definitely, I think keeping your composure, staying calm. I think what I learned from Scott is that 
some things are going to go your way. Some things aren't. You don't have control over it. Right. Um, but I think when you're in front of a jury, when they don't see you get flustered, when they see you remaining calm, I think that just speaks volumes to them about um, the type of attorney you are, the type of case you have. Sure. Um, How professional you are. Yeah. So I think that that's kind of something I try to keep in mind. Although you're human, you do get a little rattled, you do get nervous, but kind of taking a second and and just trying to respond to the situation that you're given. Right. I just start crying hysterically every time somebody <laughs> objects. To and then I run out of the room and make the bailiff chase me down the corner. And it makes everyone in the courtroom so uncomfortable like, that the right, defense fine. attorney doesn't want to object, object anymore. <laughs> It's just Well, are you allowed to swear? Like do you get points taken off if you're like, God damn it, like F this. You might get a nice overnight stay in Shay La Lockup. Like you you The judge ha- could throw the you. The judge in could jail. like hold you in contempt <gasps> and you could get locked what? up. So what if it's an accident? What if you were just really passionately making a very clear case, but you just you, you put in a tasteful like, damn it? I'm sure it's happened. I I don't think. I mean, it's judge by judge. There are some judges who are very strict and straight-laced and others who are just sort of like, keep it PG-13. So do you know who your judge is before you go in? So you kind of prep like, all right, this judge is going to be like super straight-laced, so we got to make sure there's no horsing around. Like there's no like. Often we do. Sometimes we don't, right? Because I'm sure that determines your preparation as well. Yeah. For sure. But it definitely does. The the one thing I wanted to say about your first point though, Stace, is that like literally the first thing we do is we go in and the judge calls the case and then the judge wants our list of evidence, wants our list of witnesses, want, like literally all of this every bit of the case is sort of talked about before the jury even gets picked. Wow. So it's like on TV for sure. It's like surprise evidence. Well, surprise evidence ain't really happening. Like in when our they world. go up to the judge and they whisper in their ear, like, and they hand them like a folder. And like, right. Oh, actually, that doesn't happen. Counsel in my chambers. Yeah. <laughs> Even though this appears to have been printed in someone's basement, I'm going to allow it. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's funny. Um. Yeah. No. I. I mean, I think that's a big one. Like, I think people don't realize how the judge surprising a judge is not a good idea. And the whole point is the judge wants to know all the issues and all the evidence so that they are kind of prepared to oversee the trial the best way. And I think the approach we try and take is to make the judge's job as easy as possible. And I think they appreciate it, right? Yeah. And the amount of work that goes into even those materials and making sure that everything that you've included in your, they call them, uh, the judge will usually have a pre-trial conference with you where you're supposed to submit all these things. Um, And the amount of work and time that both Scott and I spend on figuring out what to put in and compiling it and putting it in binders and making everything organized so the judge has a very easy time flipping through everything we've given them and they understand, you know, where, where we're at. That kind of ties into your second point, though, right, Stace? Yeah. <laughs> um, the second thing that I was going to say is that plaintiff's attorneys, the attorneys for the injured person, not the defense attorneys, mm-hmm. have to do so much more work. Um, 
for example, in this last case, I came into the pretrial conference with probably two inches, three, four like inches of what? paperwork. Really? Oh yeah. yeah. And wow. this is and this is a case that didn't even have any medical records or bills. This is completely wow. exhibits and photos and um And you do you have to have packets for everybody yes. in the room? Yes. That's a lot of ink. Now the defense attorney came in, she didn't bring any jury instructions hers was she had like three pieces of paper and that's not professional right from what i'm understanding get away with doing that that's kind of the norm well because we have the burden of proof right so we brought the case and we have a case to prove sure they have no case to prove if we don't prove our case they automatically win Got it. So we're the ones who pressure's want, off for them. Yeah, we're the ones who want to show the jury the photos and the police documents right. and the medical records and the medical bills. Right. And we want to call witnesses so that the jury can understand how the incident occurred and what the injuries and damages are. The defendant doesn't have to do any of that, right? Sure. Notwithstanding that, I think there is just a double standard that has somewhat evolved in the practice of law, where if as a plaintiff's attorney, you show up to one of these pretrial conferences with shoddy materials, the judge gets really mad at you. But if you're a defense attorney who comes in, it's sort of like, well, okay, it's a small case, so I understand why defense counsel didn't it's work very ridiculous. hard on it. Well, it's not fair. Right. But, Life's not fair. Right. That's right. true. <laughs> that's why you're <laughs> so in court. my parents <laughs> tell me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Like, I tell people, and it's, I really think it's true, I tell people – Depending on how crabby I am, I either say it's six times harder to be a plaintiff's lawyer than a defense lawyer. And then if I'm really crabby, I say 10 times harder. That is true. You and it, 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 it kind of, <laughs> but it kind of, I don't think it feels more true anywhere more than when you're at trial. Yes, I agree with you. There's a lot of pressure on you and, you know, you have to set everything out and, you know, if the jury instructions are not correct or not complete, the judge never looks at the defense attorney and, and tells them, like, go fix this. Go fix this. It's always plaintiff, why didn't you do it? Well, and then, yeah, you're running back. You have an hour for lunch. So in this case, we had to fix some jury instructions. The judge told us, same day. To go fix them. Yep. Over We're lunch. taking a lunch break. Are you serious? So I'm running back. And as I'm running back, the defense attorney is going out to lunch, like walking leisurely with a couple of our attorneys from our office to go eat lunch. I'm like, I'm not even going to get a chance to get food. I have like a granola bar at my desk. Oh, lucky just, you. Yeah, it's just different. But Scott wow. told me that from day one of working here, that that was That's the something norm. to expect. Yeah. Now, do you have to know um, like your packet of information when you go into these pretrials? backwards and forwards or do they tell you here just give me you know x amount of things and then we'll we'll like just talk like that's it or do, do you have to know like everything uh you have to know everything and i say that because the defense attorney generally how it starts they start objecting to things in your packet they don't want you to let or to have this photo get into evidence um they don't want uh, testimony to be limited to certain things. And so they start objecting to things that you have submitted to them. So you have to be ready to argue. And you don't know what they're going to object to. Right. Right. Wow. 
So you kind of have to be prepared for everything. Sure. It's also a great way to learn the details of your case by having to prepare all this stuff, right? right? You become much more familiar with the facts. What's number three, Stace? Sock it to me. Um, so generally, uh, the process where you pick the jury, um, you don't really, I've never sat on a jury before. So I had never really seen what it was like to pick a jury and yeah, how, how do you pick a jury. How, that, how does that happen? Because generally that's something too that's only for attorneys. It's not something that like the public can come in and watch. Right. So that process was interesting to me. Isn't it random? So you get – they bring in – how many jurors are 36. assigned? 36. And they come from the voting rolls. So everybody who voted – goes on the jury rolls and they call 36 into the room and you pick, uh, you get to ask either 12 or 14 of them questions. And here's the funny thing. Every judge that I've tried a case in front of has a different set of rules about how to pick a jury. Hmm. Like some, some want you to limit your questioning to just four people at a time. Others let you question the whole box of people, which I prefer. Because, well, right, because it's way more it's, efficient. Yeah. Right. So, and then some of them number them one, two, three, four in the first row. Some of them number one, two, three, four going up and down in the – like it's crazy. So Why isn't a, there a universal like way of doing it? Um, well, I don't know. They want to keep us on our toes? It's a much debated topic in law school. <laughs> I mean – Because yeah. anything could happen. Like couldn't – could that determine a case – by I mean it's a it's one factor, but yeah. I mean there are some there are some attorneys who believe that uh, picking a jury the right way is the key to winning or losing a case for sure. Wow! And your point That's though, states, was more about how the people on the jury were reacting to the questions the lawyers were asking them. Yeah, I thought everyone was really honest. I know you hear people talk about dreading jury duty. No one wants to go. Everyone wants to get out of it. Um, But, you know, it's your civic duty. And I thought that everyone that was in there was very honest. Um, They were open to the questions that both Scott and the other, the defense attorney was asking them. Um, And I thought that they were rather forthcoming. Um, and really wanted to uh, do a good job. And I think that's that was surprising to me because you never hear somebody being like, yes, jury duty. I'm so excited. <laughs> My dream come true. I would think it was awesome because that's, <laughs> I'm a legal nerd. But I'm right. get a good I'll never sleep. get on a jury now sure. that I'm an attorney. But. Oh, so I'm, you can never – that makes sense. Well, no, I can, but – Generally, other lawyers don't want lawyers on their jury. Right. Although you've been on a jury as a lawyer, I think you've Yeah, it. yeah. Um, it was – I don't mean to be a jerk, but it was like a lesson in how not to pick a jury. Okay. They were terrible. The lawyers who were picking the jury were just terrible. Wow. And then the judge didn't let me sit on the jury anyway. But I what? got to sit through the whole thing instead of getting to leave early, which I would have preferred. But Jeez. in the grand scheme of things, I'm glad I got to see it. Um, but yeah, the jury selection was terrible. It was in an injury case. And the lawyers, were, the defense attorneys were better at asking questions than the plaintiff's lawyers. Which is not a good sign. Really not a good sign. 
but the um the plaintiff's lawyers were horrible they oh. they true story they asked a question the defense attorney objected to it the judge and the attorneys went in the back room to talk about it the judge sustained the objection meaning that the judge agrees it wasn't a fair question and then oh. the plaintiff's attorney got up and basically asked like almost exactly the same question followed by another objection Yikes. and it's like oh my gosh like oh dude Crazy. no do the does the jury like do they get to interject whenever or is there like a certain time like all right now we're going to open questions to the jury or is it different in every case um so the jury selection is the only time the jury gets to talk so, so when you say trial, jury selection, what do you mean by that? Like, so you, so um, depending on where you're at, there's either a six-person jury who hears the case or a twelve-person jury. Okay, they bring thirty-six people into the room, and then f and then the the judge asks the jury questions about their qualifications to serve as jurors. Right. So let's say it's a car crash case, and juror number one was just in a serious car crash where his wife was killed. That maybe is not a good juror for the defense because there's no way he can be fair. Right. So that's the point of jury selection is to figure out um, whether somebody's biased or not or whether sure. they can be fair to both sides. Then when the judge is done asking questions, the plaintiff's lawyer gets to ask questions and the jury answers the questions. Okay. And then the defense gets to ask questions. And then the judge and the attorneys go in the back room and – you know, you you basically work out who who Duel can be out. fair and who can't be fair, right? Okay. And then you ultimately end up with people who everybody can live with, usually, right? And then the case, then the, then then the, the case starts. starts. Then there's opening statement, and okay, witnesses and stuff. Got it. Stace, you got a number four for us. I do. So, um, kind of talking about jury selection. Um, so S Scott did handle the jury selection process in this last trial. And I think he started off with a tone um, with the jury where they automatically liked him. They were automatically engaged with him. Why do you say that like you're surprised by it, Stace? No. Is it like his charismatic, like, I'm nice. Being... People like me. Why? Are Is you... he just a really good it's... bullshitter? Like, what? Wow. <laughs> let's, let's, wow. Just, let's talk about it's so it. Hurtful. No, I think, I think what. Scott tries to do and what he teaches me to do is not only be prepared uh, for trials and everything you do, but also be a nice person, be somebody. A lot of people don't like attorneys. I tell I have this conversation with my friends and family all the time. They have a bad idea about attorneys ahead of time. Um, if you meet Scott in person, if you ever, you know, get to see Scott try a case, um, he's very real. He's very real with uh, the jury and the witnesses and doesn't try to overcomplicate things or confuse people or be tricky. Right. Which a lot of lawyers do, I mean, to be honest with you. Um, you know, and because of all the work that he puts into cases, um, you know, he really knows what he's doing. So not only does he make sure he knows all the facts, but he I know he's done 
I mean, hundreds of hours probably of seminars and things to try, you know, to get him to this place where he is just such a great trial attorney. So it kind of starts when you pick the jury. That's your first chance to talk to them. And so, um, you know, he didn't dive right into the issues. He kind of just asked them. The first question was just asking them a question about themselves to get them talking. Right. Um, and the difference between him and the defense attorney at the beginning just really set the tone for the entire trial. How so? Um, she was not as prepared. Um, I don't think she came off as real to the jury. Um, I think that she tried to kind of, we call it mailing it in. She definitely wasn't as prepared as we were. I mean, we knew that from the beginning. Right. But the jury saw that and the jury noticed that. And, um, you know, it's an art trying cases and it's hard, like you talked about er earlier, being 100% comfortable. Um, But Scott has so many years experience and has done this a lot. He obviously is comfortable, but... Um, Let me just interject really quick, Stace. Thank you for the compliments. It's it's nice to hear. Obviously, it's a little embarrassing. I don't take uh, compliments very well. Well, but, take it. Take it. Get over it. Wow. <laughs> but I, I do want to interject. I thought the defense attorney did a yeoman's job. Like, I think she did a competent job. I think she asked the questions that defense Like the attorneys- bare minimum- it's the standard thing that they do. Yes. And um, she also, I, I think she definitely came off as lawyerly. Yes. I, I, I try to. Which is kind of intimidating. Like if I've never been on a jury before, like I yeah. want to feel like, okay, comfortable. Because it's I, kind of an I, awkward thing to do. I right? try to be like a normal person who happens to be a lawyer, like a nice person who happens to be a lawyer. And right. I think her tone was. Hey, everyone listen to me. I'm a lawyer kind of tone. And that's maybe not the tone you want to start a trial with. I don't think people I don't think people respond well to that because I know like I like people who are just cut through the red tape and like listen this is how it is. And I feel like most people want that, you know, they don't want to be marketed to, they don't want to be, you know, performed at or talked to at they want to be well they don't want to be manipulated right 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 (laughs) that's the knock on lawyers like stace was saying a few minutes ago like lawyers try to be tricky lawyers try (laughs) to be big shots well so how do you know oh sorry no go that's all go ahead right so how do you know like how do you combat that how do you put a good word uh how do you get the the word out there that you're not that kind of lawyer that you you are not going to you're not in it to be tricky you're just you are who you say you are um you know i again i think that that especially in front of a jury is hard to do because you only have so much time with them sure but part of it though is you start out with the premise of who you are as a person and you you Live your life in such a way that you can be a credible and honest person sincerely. And that's the kind of person I am, and it's the kind of lawyer I am. And it's the reason why I stay, I think Stasia is such a good lawyer because she's an honest person and she can project who she is honestly right. as an honest straight shooter. And we also really spend a lot of time, don't we, Stace? We spend a lot of time 
simplifying the case. Yes. Like, how do you describe the case so that somebody hears it once and they don't have any questions about right. it? Right. They can draw like their it's own conclusions. Super straightforward. Like, lawyers learn all this. Pardon the French bullshit terminology, kind of jargon, and, right? And, and like yes. how to, you know, and they're smart people. Like a big, one of the most important skills a lawyer can learn is how to speak plainly and briefly, right? And and I, and I we yeah. try hard to do that. And I think something that stood out to me in Scott's closing argument was that he basically said. We don't think this is a slam dunk case. We don't think that this is an easy decision. And he was honest. Right. Um, and he, but obviously followed up with why we should prevail and why our client should receive money. But kind of when you say something like that, instead of, I think what that does is it shows the jury that we are we understand that this is not an easy decision right and we are being honest with you because what attorney would step up and say you know say something like that if they were trying to trick you or get you right into forcing you into giving somebody money who didn't deserve it so right. i think that was something that really stood out to me um and i think ultimately i think that's why we prevailed because i think our whole case was, is this the perfect case? Is this a slam dunk case? No. But you heard our client testify credibly and a witness testify credibly. Right. And, um, yeah, I mean, I think that's ultimately why we won. And it helps that you all, you both did your homework beforehand and you kept a calm, cool, collected head about it. Because in the movies, I always see, like, lawyers crazy yeah i mean i'll say something else too i think stasia did a fantastic job and it's a combination of things like i don't ever want to try an injury case by myself again because there's too many things we have to worry about last minute ad hoc when i mean you can prepare as hard as you want but there are too many things going on and too many changes and modifications the court relies on the plaintiff's lawyer to do that one person can't do it all. One person can't be the performer, the paperwork person, the exhibit person, the run back to court, prep a witness. Like you can't do it all yourself. Right. The other thing is, you know, I've worked with, with other lawyers on cases where we had very different philosophies about how they portray themselves and how they take being a lawyer and an injury lawyer. And I know that Stasia in her heart is made for the same approach that I think is correct. And so I felt that we worked beautifully together on the trial. Like it was a real pleasure for me to try the case with Stasia. And I'm glad that we got a good outcome for the client. And I mean, to me, that's what it's about. Like, I can't go up and be Mr. Green Jeans or whatever. <laughs> like, Mr. Only if I don't wash my clothes enough, they might turn green from whatever. Um, no, like, I can't be up. I can't go up there and be Mr. Hey, this is the way it is. It is right. what it is. And then have my trial partner go up there and say, well, listen, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to tell you the way it is. Like, your typical Bad douchey cop, lawyer, cop. right? right. <laughs> it's got to be 
you you got to be on the same page. Got to be right? working tandem. And, and I, I mean, I've got a trial coming up with an attorney who who I don't think shares the same tone and approach I have, and it. Which honestly makes you stronger, though, right? I mean... It it concerns me if we have a different tone, right? Like, I think it blows it with the jury if two people are trying a case together and one has one tone and the other one has the, I'm the hard-charging... Oh, working together. I see. I thought you meant Trying the case together. Got it. Oh, yeah. I I would love to try every case with a super aggressive, (laughs) classic... It makes you look good. Right. That's what I was saying. Right. Because... But yet together, I'm sure it's people like that. No, like, right. no one does. And and attorneys usually, right. I think, act that way out of insecurity. Like they that makes sense. And there's a lot of pressure on people when they get out of law school to know the answer to questions, to be the big bad, and like, to be a big shot. And and everybody thinks this about doctors, and everybody thinks this about lawyers. That you get out of law school, and you're supposed to be rich. You're supposed to be successful. You're supposed to know it all. You're supposed to be on top of things like the guys on TV. So there's probably like an expectation to uh, like a deserving like this is like I this is I'm like, a lawyer. So yeah. I'm a badass. Right. Very elitist. Right. Yes, very and kind of elitist. ego. Very it's not my background. Maniac. I know that Stasia's family were dirt farmers in a village <laughs> in Oh, wait. I'm no, in a village, too. You. You, were you in, <laughs> in a neighboring village? <laughs> Most of my family, they're Viking electricians. Raiders. Viking raiders yes. and electricians. Yes. It's a very like eclectic background. Yeah. You guys can't see, but Stasia's tall, blonde woman. And so like I always tease her about being a Viking. Plus, I'm watching that show Vikings on TV. So she said her parents were going to come into town over the holidays to meet me. And I'm like, hey, we can take them to lunch. And then after that, I'll rent a boat and we can Scott, raid neighboring villages. Now they're going to hear this and my mom is going to be like, open invitation. <laughs> She's just going to show up. She's like, honey, I bought the ticket. I know. I'm on my way. And you're like, mom. Stace, do we joke around in our law office more than any law office in the friggin' world? Or yes. What? But yes. like, that's what I would want. Like, if I was going to a lawyer, I'd be like, can I just have somebody who's fun? Can we just be, can you And be can cool? we be real? Can right, we right. not like tiptoe around what's really going on? Because that's what real people do, right? And you know what? Like when it comes down to it too, when we need to advocate for our clients, we do. Like I would say that Scott and I are very nice. We're nice to other attorneys. We're nice to our clients. We're nice to doctors. We try to be nice to everyone. Right. But there is a level or at some point in time where we have to be a little tougher. Put your foot down. We're super nice, but there's a point past like when somebody's playing a game, it's game on. Well, shut like, you shut it down, right? You're oh right. yeah, I know what you're yeah, doing. Yeah, it's there's a there's a mistake that people make when they're dealing with a nice person. They believe that you're nice because you're weak, right? Which my favorite thing in the world is to demonstrate to people how wrong they are That's when awesome. they try to take advantage of us, right? Because it's they're not going to like the outcome. <laughs> Right. Well, I'm sure that's a fine line to walk. You know, you want to be kind because you have a reputation to uphold, but you also have to be like, we're also heavy hitters. You know, right. we're not going to lay sure. down and roll over. That phrase is actually trademarked, so I'm not sure we can use it. <laughs> well, which one? Heavy hitters. Heavy hitters. Honest to God, this guy called me up on the phone and he's like, I want you to be my local heavy hitter in Chicago. And I'm oh. like, is, um, is this a singles person? <laughs> Like I, <laughs> this what? Um, what line um, is this for again? Are you 
a woman with a really deep voice. <laughs> yeah. Or... Oh, that sounds like a suspicious Craigslist. No, response. it's it's true. This marketing firm <clears throat> has heavy hitters trademarked, and you can't use it in a market unless you pay them a licensing fee. Yet somehow we've been able to stay in business without what? being the heavy hitters. Anyway, I digress. Uh, number five, girl, what you got? Um, I think just at the end of the day, we've talked about this a lot, but just being overprepared. Um, obviously, Scott is my mentor in everything that I know, uh, being a younger attorney. Including crochet. Including crochet. And archery. Um, no, you're the archer. Oh, are you? The she archer? needs something. No, oh, and no. she's a. <laughs> I like did. I have like a couple eclectic things in my resume, and he just kept on this last podcast. He just kept like talking like, and then you're a you're a an archer and like a smithsman <laughs> and a Viking. Not a Viking. You're the Viking. I'm talking nonsense as usual. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, you people are gonna goes. be like, I'm looking for an archer. Do you want a job? And I'm like, I'm not an archer. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like half of those things. And when I was first talking, the latter half ignore, but. That's funny. Um, but prepare. I'll just say that when I go into the pretrial conference that we've talked a lot about um, before uh, the trial starts, that I have been told numerous times how prepared I was, how overprepared I was. Like I was being made fun of for having too much material. Whatever. I know. Like I've Doing never my job seen, right. I've never seen like a pretrial package this big, and I was like, "Is that an insult?" I'm not sure. Right? But Maybe you should take notes and learn how it's done. Exactly. You're like, because like, you see all these uh, these wins on my my trophy. Yeah, it's over a here. good problem to have. Yeah, right? yeah. So I would, and I'm type A. If, if I'm over prepared for right. everything anyway, so it's fine. If but, you're gonna get made fun of for something, right. that's like the best thing to get. Oh, you're so talented. <laughs> yeah, right. So overprepared. <laughs> you're such what a, a nerd. Hard worker. What is wrong with you? Loser. Nerds rule the world. Okay. <laughs> <sighs> Any other thoughts, Stace? How is it like being a Viking? Like, tell me, like, how is it growing? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's what's amazing. your ancestry? You- I'm Swedish. Oh yeah, of course. So yeah. All my 94-year-old grandmother wants is for me to meet a nice Swedish boy. I have never met a Swedish boy I was going to say, I've, I don't think I've ever met ever. someone Swedish. Ever. I met someone who's Danish, but I don't know if that's like it's the, not the same. same. I was just thinking of like baked goods, and I was thinking like Swedish, Listeners, Danish. if you have a tall, hot guy who's <laughs> looking for somebody to Are you single and ready to mingle, I girl? Like, I don't like where this is going. <laughs> yeah, right. Super what creepy. kind of podcast invited? is this? <laughs> You've invited, you gave an open invitation to my parents to come for lunch. And, and now strangers yeah. are yes. going to be like, what's your name again? I'm officially the most embarrassing boss ever. They're Sorry. like, help, I've fallen, I can't get up. Also, that girl? <laughs> yeah, right. I'm your single? assistant, though. Crazy. Can I get a free consultation with her? <laughs> well, Stace, thank you so much for preparing the list. I'm glad that you came on the podcast. You know, I think she was overprepared because there's little... still yeah. seven other topics yeah. we haven't talked about. I've gone over her list <laughs> twice. No typos. <laughs> super pertinent. <laughs> Just way on top of it. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> what a nerd. <laughs> so, I mean, I think that was, I mean, I think honestly, that's a pretty good overview of the diff- of what it's really like to try a case versus what people think it is. Like, it's a heck of a lot of work. Way more work than people think it is. And uh, a lot of the stuff is behind scenes. A lot of moving parts. Yeah, for sure. And so prep is key. Like, you can't go in there and think you're going to wing it 
and have success. And oh. I was going to say, we didn't even talk about um, the work we do with like our clients beforehand and making sure they're mentally prepared for travel. And relax. And what yeah. to say. And, and all yeah. these things are happening. Yeah. I right. forgot about that part. Tons of work. It's a lot. Lots sure. of work. Well, you did yeah. a great job. We got a good totally. outcome for our, our clients. And folks, thanks for listening. I'm going to try and make Stasia come do more podcasts because I think she's awesome. She's so awesome. She's, I would like to say... She's, co-host great addition this is awesome no she's great isn't yeah. she like this was how the interview was I'm blushing. too no this is great yeah like literally the interview was just either she's a great actress or we really are just sort of simpatico i'm just like faking it all of it it's okay. i don't even know where i am or, like <laughs> when i woke up <laughs> i took too much who am i <laughs> It's this extra boost coffee right yeah. all those oils crazy, essential oils crazy. in it all right girls well we're going to end the podcast now, folks. Thanks for listening, Thank and I uh, hope you enjoyed it. Hope Tune you in helped. next week. Yeah. Thanks for listening. I truly hope that the information in the podcast helps you no matter the situation you find yourself in. But you might need more answers or some more direct help. So there are three ways for you easily to find out more and to get help. If you call my toll-free 24-hour helpline, 888-HURT-318, you'll have a couple of options. 888-HURT-318 is my toll-free 24-hour telephone line. You can call that number and speak with my team night or day. First, you can call 888-HURT-318 and you can speak to me for a free consultation about your case or situation. That's always free and no obligation. Second, you can tell the operator that you'd like a free copy of my injury DVD and book. I created the DVD and book and I give it away for free to injured people who need answers but who might not be ready to talk to a lawyer yet. Same deal, 100% free, 100% no obligation. Third and finally, you can check out my YouTube channel for informative videos about the injury case and claims process. Or check out my other podcasts for more information and interesting interviews with people who know different things about various aspects of the law. I've put all of this together to help you and to answer your questions. Now, you can also help me, and I hope that you will. If you enjoyed the podcast and if it helped you at all, please subscribe. And if you can, take a minute and please post a positive review of the show. If you're listening to the podcast on YouTube, like the video and subscribe to my YouTube channel. And if you know anyone who might enjoy the podcast, please spread the word and share it on Facebook. It's my mission to spread good information to as many people as possible. And your liking and reviewing and subscribing to the podcast helps me get the word out. Thanks again. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only. It doesn't substitute for consulting with a lawyer. If you have a case, speak with a lawyer right away.